Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, this is Celine Williams hosting from Ontario for Canada's podcast. My guest today is Andrea McKay, founder of B Half Moon. Welcome, Andrea. Why, thank you. It's so nice to be here. I'm very happy to have you here. I'd love to so I'd love to know a little bit about your journey to becoming the founder of Be Half Moon and what that ex- you know, what that experience has been like and looked like for you. Yeah. It's a big question. It's, you know, where do I begin? We are celebrating our 10-year anniversary in April. Congratulations. Yeah, it's actually shocking to me that that we've been around for almost a decade, but I mean, truly my journey, my entrepreneurial journey started far before that. Um, and I would say it dates back to my postgraduate degree when I went to Australia um, after graduating from my BCom at McGill. I moved to Australia, wanted to travel, like go somewhere different, um, but come home with something productive, which in my eyes was a degree. So I did my master's of international business and was stationed in Manly, Australia. It turned out that I was the only Canadian in the program there. And that was really daunting for me. I was in my early 20s, um, very shy, not like 100% sure of myself yet. And what really grounded me in my experience there and kind of gave me the strength to connect with people from all over the world was I found yoga. Mm. And like Australia, this was 21 years ago, Australia had this wellness culture that I had never experienced before. And I just caught the bug. There was yoga at every street corner, bookended by crystal shops um, that were bookended by uh, smoothie bars, one of which I worked at. People were always out for runs and surfing and, of course, the yoga and meditation. And it was just like this beautiful culture that I became a part of and supported me through that time. And that's when the seed of integrating wellness and business was kind of forged and planted in my mind. So it all started 20 years, 21 years ago with that. Um, I came back to Canada with my degree in international business. And truly, like many postgraduates, like I had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> and embarrassingly, I took like basically the first job I was offered, mm-hmm. which was through networking. I got a, a marketing agency job. And uh, I stayed in the marketing agency world for about seven or eight years. And I really learned a lot there. I excelled there. It allowed me to exercise like my creative self while kind of integrating that strength with business development and like client services. And and I can be very professional and corporate. So it was a good experience from that perspective. And I like rose in the ranks. Um, But I felt like I was kind of like, there's a glass ceiling and I just didn't have enough control over my destiny. Mm. So after about, I guess it was eight years there jumping, I did, I went to about four agencies over eight years. I was ahead of my generation stayed in jobs for a long time. I did not. I jumped around a lot. Um, And then I took a huge leap of faith and joined my father's business. Um which was a huge move for me. And I went from the marketing world in marketing D2C, so consumer-facing brands, like I worked for you know, Procter & Gamble and big brands like that, to working for my father's business, um, where it was all B2B industrial. Hmm. I was the only female. 
And um, everyone was a male over 50 or 55. And I was the boss's daughter. So I walked into this foreign world with a totally different cultural element to it, uh, with a bit of a label being like, you're, you're a young lady who's the boss's daughter. So I really had to learn a lot. I had to put my head down and prove that I'm not just the boss's daughter and that women can do this stuff too. And I did that. I put my head down and I busted my bum as I always do and kind of, you know, paved a way for myself within my dad's company. I was fifth generation. The company's over 120 years old, which I'm very proud of and very honored to have been a part of. Um, and it's with that, that I was eventually handed the role of running one of his subsidiaries and that subsidiary, uh, his oldest subsidiary, uh, is a foam manufacturing business. And so I started, I became the president of this rubber manufacturing company, truly felt out of my comfort zone, out of my league in the sense that like my strength is not in manufacturing or operations Mm. or industrial, um, but again, I, I had the work ethic and, and I worked hard. Um, but that's where I was in the R and D lab. I was with a gentleman named Sathy who was in his sixties at the time. And my dad had signed his immigration papers in 1990, like this cool heritage R and D lab technician. And I stumbled across a really sticky rubber compound. And I said, half jokingly to Sathy, Hey, this would make an amazing yoga mat. And he was like, like, sure, whatever. And the moment I said that, I couldn't get it out of my head. And that is when the true inception of Be Half Moon really started. Mm -hmm. Although the seed, as I said earlier, that desire and passion to do something in the world of wellness started when I was doing my degree in Australia. The idea, the nugget was found in that R&D lab. And so I don't know, I could keep going forever. No, I mean, it's really, it's, it's interesting. I think it's your journey is already, and I get that there's more elements to this, but go. So first off, I think so many people can resonate with you get a degree. You really don't know what you're going to do with it. And you're the first offer. You're like, sounds great. Let's do that. So I think that is so common for people. I appreciate you saying that. Um, But then to spend that time in the world of marketing and then to have the experience in a family run business, which I can only imagine the dynamics that play there. And this, there are some families have specific challenges, not when working together, right? Yeah. Let alone when working together. And then to have part and parcel of that be the nugget for this business. That's almost 10 years old. It's, it's very interesting. So very special. Yeah, I can appreciate that more now, 10 years in for sure. And you learn something from every experience, whether it doesn't feel right, or it feels amiss or challenging at the time. Of course, we know we learn so much from every experience. So I've taken so much away from each chapter. Um, but whenever I found that rubber compound and, and uttered that as a thought in passing, you know, this would be a great um, yoga mat. As I said, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. 
And I was in my mid to late twenties at the time. And my, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, we were in the life stage where we were going to a lot of like wedding parties, rehearsal dinners, all those fun social engagements, such a fun time. And I remember I started leaving these parties early to go home and write this business plan, which is unlike me. Like I love a good party. Mm -hmm. And so, but that happened. And I just, I was so enraptured in this idea that I was choosing it over things that I always put first. So built a business plan, um, really coming from a place of passion and of course, knowledge and presented it to the board of my father's business. And truly they were sold on my passion and conviction because they, their core competencies were so different, you know, industrial B2B manufacturing versus building a wellness yoga business that's B2C. Um, but anyway, they obviously felt the passion and conviction and believed in me. And I think it was like I got $30,000 from my dad's business and I was off to the races. So uh, it started with the product and then I built a brand that I really believed in, which at the time, 10 years ago, was B-Yoga, B as in Bear Yoga. And then the sub-product brand was B-Mat. And uh, I really felt deeply for the brand and the visual identity. Then I built a website and then I just started seeding this beautiful product with people in the yoga world that I knew. I mean, I was, yoga was my hobby. I was going on retreats. I knew teachers and studios and such. So I just planted the wonderful product with individuals in Toronto. And then we officially launched 10 years ago at the Toronto Yoga Conference, early April, 2014. And that was my test. And I, I remember it like I'll never forget it. I was six months pregnant, set up the whole booth by myself, was slinging these mats. And I had a platform with a mat laid out. And I just said to people, you want to believe in this product? We'll try it. Try it for yourself. And people will go into their downward dogs on the demo platform. And the feedback was resoundingly positive and just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Oh my gosh, this is going to change my practice. And we, I just knew coming out of that trade show, our launch, that we had something that confirmed it for me. That was the litmus test because um, all these true yogis were, were trying the product and really felt how great it was. They felt the quality. And then I think they felt the passion in the brand, the truth in the brand. It was also a really interesting time in consumer branding and almost like pop culture where independent brands were increasingly coming out of the woodwork. Mm. So, you know, 15 years ago, it was like all the Starbucks chains were predominant and all the restaurant chains were pre predominant and the big box stores were predominant. And if we look back over the past like 10 years, we've seen such a surge, or such a surge of independent coffee shops, restaurants, brands coming into our marketplace, into our economy, into pop culture. And I was kind of part of that wave. And that was really fun. It's like people are inspired by local independent brands more than ever. And big companies like Shopify have made that more accessible. The barriers to entry are lower. People aren't having to spend like millions of dollars on mass media to make a mark. So people say timing is a factor. For sure, there's a timing element in this and that I was on that wave of like independent brands coming into um, the economy, which 
I'm so um, grateful for and just inspired by because I'm such a creative. Mm. That's how it started 10 years ago. And I mean, it's been a ride, as you can imagine, since then. Join our thriving community of like-minded individuals who share a passion for success and innovation. Canada'spodcast.com subscribe now. I mean, I, I can only imagine the ups and downs that come with 10 years in, in any business, especially a product-based business, because and I and I and I'm saying this not knowing, <clears throat> excuse me, how it would how it affects yoga mats and things like that, but there are so many trends that happen in 10 years in products in general. Yeah. Right? People like this, people like that. This comes up, this is more important, whatever the case may be. And I'm wondering how if if you saw any of that, if it affected your business at all in reflection, um, you know, what you I'm gonna say learned from it, but in the sense that it's like, oh, these are the things that I did that were really effective or less effective because we always have those as well. Hundred percent. Much time do you have? <laughs> Hit me. Um, no, I mean, I think from a brand perspective, we've we've maintained relevance over the decade um, because the brand is all about the be is all about be yourself, whatever whoever you need to be, whatever you need to be on any given day, and we're here to support you. And I think that individuality supporting support is something that has just increased with relevance over 10 years. Um, And, but from a product perspective, we've really evolved with the trends in wellness. For example, 10 years ago, it was like, you're going to a yoga studio. Today, the studios are hybrids. Mm. Yoga, Pilates, HIT, meditation, breath work, the list goes on bar, which I love. And my practice has changed so much over the past 10 years, my wellness practice Mm -hmm. and our product offering and even our messaging has kind of evolved with that. So for example, like four years ago, we we were really intentional in that like, okay, People are doing these hybrid practices, so we want to offer products that support that. So now we have Pilates mats, we have strength strengthening um, props like weights. Um, so we've really evolved from that perspective to offer products that support the modalities that people are really exploring. Mm. Um, and I'm very proud of that. Six years ago, we were trying very hard to get into like meditation breath work supporting type products. So I'm sitting on a meditation cushion right now. Um, We got into that actually through acquiring another local wellness business called Half Moon, which was a huge moment for me and for the business. Half Moon's actually 35 years old. And yeah. And the founder of Half Moon is from Oakville. Her name's Beth. She started Half Moon again, 35 years ago in Vancouver. And she was inspired by um, a yoga trip she did in the 80s in India and came back to Vancouver. She was working for a futon manufacturer and she said, there's no props available in North America. I'm going to make meditation cushions, bolsters, and stretch straps through what I've learned at this futon shop. And so she started making these, what we call soft goods in the industry. 
um, and that became Half Moon Yoga Products. As a yogi, as you know, I've been in in that world for since Australia. Um, Half Moon is the institution. Half Moon is the brand for yogis. So Beth, um, five or six years ago, was nearing 60 and looking to retire. So she took a leap of faith. There's a, a thread of taking leap, leaps of faith in this story. And she reached out to me and just said, Andrea, I love what you're doing with Be Yoga. Um, I see that our ethos and our brand values are aligned. Mm. I'm looking to retire. I'm looking to sell my business. I have two suitors, but I feel like you might be a better fit because you get me and you get what's going on, what we're doing here. And getting that email is April seven years ago was such a moment for me because I was at the same time trying to get into the soft goods and mm. hitting, like bumping up against walls. And here she was knocking on my door at the same time. Mm. So that was a big milestone. And that allowed us going back to the story of like evolving our product offering with to evolve with my wellness practice and others in the world in acquiring Half Moon six years ago in February. Um, we expanded our product offering to soft goods, which, as I said, was like bolsters, blankets, straps, uh, meditation cushions, which was a huge moment for us. So um, maintaining relevance for us has really been through our product offering and just ensuring that our platform and our messaging is resonating with our community. And always having that gut check, like, are we being real? Are we being authentic, transparent, all those things? So you mentioned a number of leaps of faith that happened. <clears throat> and obviously, many of them turned out positive and wonderful. Were there any, <clears throat> excuse me, leaps of faith or lessons where you were like, I would not do that again? Or that was a lesson that I definitely learned along the way. With every leap of faith has come extreme challenge. Mm. And that's the side of the story that people don't hear as often. Um, so, you know, the leap of faith in joining my father's business, well, it, it, it's bless him. My father is probably my biggest mentor, but like it was a very patriarchal Com culture and company. Mm -hmm. They had never had a mat leave. I've had I had two kids while I was there, and I had no support in that. Um, I had to, you know, really advocate to have a voice in a culture with men over fifty, and actually really be confident in using my voice. Well, there may have been doubters in the room, so that was a huge challenge for me in that chapter, as a result of that leap of faith in the leap of faith in, in acquiring half moon. Um, I mean, that was more Beth's leap of faith, but acquiring half moon opened our, our corporate world to offering so many more products, but I ended up acquiring a business that was larger than the incumbent business. I acquired a business that had a team and culture in Vancouver and my team at the time was in Toronto. Um, as you can imagine, that would be fraught with challenge. Mm -hmm. Once again, I had to go into this new setting, prove myself to this team who was like, who's the kid who just bought Beth's business, who, who has a smaller business, who's from Toronto, 
mm-hmm. you know, um, and I had to learn a lot about the cultural differences between two two geographical regions in our own country. I've learned yeah. so much, and that was really, really, really hard. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like you know everything has the yin and the yang or the double edged sword. Every experience has had a challenge, but I've one major learning I've accrued through experience over. 15 years is, you know, every challenge in the end is an opportunity in, in disguise in some way, shape or form. And I've learned that time and time again. And yeah. some challenges are way bigger, but in the end, they bring about some light, some opportunity, some learning. Discover the latest trends, strategies and success stories in the ever evolving world of business. Canada'spodcast.com subscribe now. I'd imagine that would be great advice to give to one's younger self, <laughs> your yeah. younger self, where we're like, we can't always, first off, we can almost never see that when we're in the thick of it. And especially when we are starting out younger in the entrepreneur journey, whether or not it's an age thing. Um, besides that, I'm curious if there would be if there is any advice you would give yourself if you were to go back in time or to an entrepreneur starting out today who's thinking, you know, who's taking on new challenges and stepping into the world of the unknowns of running a business. Yeah, I mean, so many. Definitely the one we just discussed is a big one, you know, taking pause and recognizing that every challenge is an opportunity mm-hmm. in disguise and just sitting with that and reassuring yourself of that. Um, I'd say, I think one of my weaknesses is, again, it's like a strength and a weakness in one is that I do move pretty quickly and I make decisions really rapidly. And I think there are a few decisions where I kind of wish I sat in them a little bit more and just took a little bit more time to deliberate them to say whether I would have changed those decisions. I'm not sure, but I I do move pretty quickly. That being said, I've always, I've also learned to trust your gut and your intuition and, but to, to realize that your own intuition can fool you, you, you can fool yourself out of convenience or whatever it may be. Um, and I think there's great value in following your passion because we spend so much time. Our work life is such a huge percentage of our overall life. So why not pursue something that you're impassioned about, impassioned by, um, while recognizing that entrepreneurship is really, really hard and um, and you got to be ready to roll up your sleeves and do the work. <laughs> but I think most entrepreneurs know that. So it's kind of a running list of of insights and and recommendations and feedback. And it's all that it's all of that's valuable to people who are starting out. And I think a lot of people want to become entrepreneur. I talk about this a lot on this podcast and elsewhere. We glorify the idea of entrepreneurship and we don't talk about the hard stuff. Yeah. And we don't talk about the fact that it's not for everyone 
it isn't easy. It's very, it can it's be, very I'm not hard. Saying, right. And it can be very lonely and it can, yes, you know, all of that is also true. And so I think having that, the, a list of here's things that I've learned that I think are valuable to other entrepreneurs while also recognizing there are challenges and you will see those challenges, whatever type of business you are going to get into, I think is really important because my experience has been that too often entrepreneurs think that it's going to be easier or sexier than it actually is when you're Yeah. Doing it's it. really hard. <laughs> Which is why the passion piece I think is important. You really have to believe in whatever you're setting out to do in the crux of it and the core of it. And I'm grateful that I do. I mean, spreading wellness, I feel so um, lucky to be offering that to the world. And especially during COVID, I felt that. So yeah. despite the immense challenge that entrepreneurship is, without question, at least I, of course, like I have to believe and have that deep passion for what I'm doing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it. Frankly, yeah. it wouldn't be worth it because it comes with a lot of sacrifices, especially when you have a young family. Yeah. Um, so for sure. And I think like one big learning for me over the past really couple of years is that I think I've been socialized through my business degrees and just like what I've been surrounded by my whole life to like always want to grow and be bigger. And in a, in uh, subconsciously, I had that mentality for the first kind of five to six years of this business. And I'm kind of entering a different stage right now, partially because of the economy. The economy has slowed down and therefore our business has slowed. And I'm just like kind of resetting in this, like, why do I have to keep chasing for more? Like, why do I have to keep growing, growing, growing at what cost? That's a big reset for me that I'm going through right now that frankly, I haven't really shared much of because I'm going through it right now. So I think one other, you know, piece of advice for any entrepreneur is just, it's kind of why I said earlier, like really sit in your decisions and make sure you're doing things for the right reasons and that you, you know, you can make the sacrifices you'll have to make and you have the bandwidth and the resources and all those things. Um, so that's a big reset that I'm kind of going through right now. I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's that intentionality is really important and I, it is. Yes. It makes a difference. It makes yeah. a difference to be intentional that way and to not just do the thing that someone tells you is the thing you should do to grow or be successful or whatever, which again, yeah. in my opinion, is a lot of the glorification of entrepreneurship we do. For sure. And I love that word intention, intentionality. It's maybe that'll be my word for 2024. 20, it's so powerful. And even in our um, product offering, that's been a huge source of inspiration in my wellness practice. I'm trying to be as I age, as I grow into a new stage of motherhood, a new stage of entrepreneurship, my wellness practice is that much more intentional mm. from like the type of tea I'm drinking, which we'll be offering to, you know, I use crystals. My wellness practice has really rounded out with greater intention over the decade and beyond. And that's reflected in our product offering, in our brand communications, and even in the ethos and the mentality of how the business is going to evolve. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I love that. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today to tell us about your journey. It's super interesting. Um, your openness around that and also willingness to speak into the fact that you are processing currently, you know, what that you really want this to look like in terms of growth, et cetera. I really appreciate you sharing that because I know it can be tough if <laughs> it's not something you're you've been talking about for ages. It's not the most comfortable thing. So thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you for recognizing that. Absolutely. And for any of our listeners, <clears throat> the link to Andrea's website will be in the show notes, but it is also B is in the letter B, halfmoon.com. And for those listening and watching, thanks for listening to Can's podcast, like, comment, and subscribe to all our channels to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.